Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of What Are You Talking About? Joining me today is Kate Gordon, aka CrossFit Kate. She is a two-times CrossFit Games athlete, HQ seminar staff, coach and a business owner. We chat all things discovering CrossFit, working through injury even at the Games, building a business and so much more. Let me know what you think and as always don't forget to like, rate and subscribe to be the first to hear all about our new episodes and content. Enjoy! Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. Um, Firstly, have you recovered from the immensity that is Torian weekend? Because it seems like it was a while ago, but actually it wasn't that long ago. (laughs) Do you know what? I was very lazy in terms of training for a big competition like that. And I um, took a lot of downtime after quarterfinals. So I went into Torian feeling really fresh and um, have been enjoying training more since the week after Torian than I did prior to Torian. So I've been feeling really good. (laughs) Oh, good. It's such a big event and it's, I think I know you've posted it and a lot of people have posted that like no one does semi-finals like Torian. It, it just looks like the most fun weekend. What's the atmosphere like? Like, Do you just, obviously the result may not have been what you wanted, but do you just end the, the weekend on a high no matter what? Yeah, you know, I think I could go to Tori and not compete and just have an absolute blast. It's just such a cool group of people, especially in the community down here. Everybody just knows everybody. So it feels like a big family reunion and you're walking around and you're stopping like every, you know, 20 meters to say hello to someone. And then you see them another 10 times that day. So it's like, it's just a really social event. And um, yeah, it just makes for a really fun, fun weekend. And it's a very cool venue. It's uh like kind of an outdoor tennis arena with a covering over it so it's you know it's perfect in Queensland because that's our sunny state so it's just super beautiful weather everyone's outside then you're inside watching this really amazing performance on the floor and it's just it's a great weekend it looks like such a I think I probably shouldn't admit this but if I could go to any semi-finals that would be that would be the one I'd want to go to um and watch (laughs) obviously we we had them in in London last year but um Europe hasn't been well as wasn't in London this year so didn't get to go this year but definitely uh Torian is one top of the list that I'd like to go to um you've been doing CrossFit for quite a while now can you talk about how you discovered CrossFit in the first place um what's what was your kind of journey to finding it yeah, I am. Um, I mean, if I go back before CrossFit, I've always been pretty active as a kid and had a pretty active upbringing. Um, and then when I was in university, I sort of just started getting into going to the gym and it was, you know, purely for looking a certain way. I just wanted to, you know, you're constantly in the state of like, oh, I need to lose weight, <laughs> especially going through university. You know, I was out drinking on the weekends and eating whatever and gain weight. So um, I kind of came to it after training for a little bit on my own. And I I worked with some personal trainers occasionally and I'd started doing, you know, the Les Mills body pump and body attack classes. I was super into that. And um, I just started to see more and more like Fitspo online. So I think it was, you know, Tumblr or Pinterest. And I'd started seeing these girls that did CrossFit. And I was like, wow. Um, And I remember thinking like, oh, they look so badass. Like, I don't know if I want to look that muscly, but like, man, that's so shredded. (laughs) 
<laughs> and um, I eventually bought a Groupon. So it was just like a voucher for 30 days of unlimited CrossFit. And I think I went once, maybe, maybe twice. And um, eventually at the end got sucked into like a six month membership. And it probably took three months to kind of learn the, the language a little bit, just, you know, the get, get in with all the words uh, and also to see progress. I think in the, in the, at the three month mark, I got my first kipping pull up. So it was like, oh, cool. Like you start seeing the results and realizing that you can kind of get better and there's a new goal. And now you've got this, you want to get that. And it's all just so exciting. Um, you make so much progress early on. So that was what really kind of got me hooked initially. And then um, about six months in, I did my level one only by chance because someone in my gym had signed up and couldn't do it so I basically tried to I took their spot I emailed CrossFit and was like hey I want to jump in can I take his spot he's pulling out um, so they put me on last minute like a week or two before it was coming up um, and then I was this was some some of my time was in New Zealand some of my time was in Los Angeles uh, and I was back in LA and a gym had opened up about three blocks down from where I was living and uh, I just started working on the front desk. And then eventually, you know, anyone who's got their level one that's hanging out on a CrossFit affiliate long enough will be asked to coach. <laughs> and I started shadowing classes and coaching. And then I started doing that full time. And that was that like literally the rest is history. Here I am. I've been doing CrossFit for 12 or 13 years. I started in 2011. And um, yeah, it's just snowballed, totally snowballed. Did you um, kind of before you started, did you ever have any intent? to coach not necessarily in CrossFit just in any form of kind of fitness or anything like that was it ever a goal for you to be like yeah I want to I want to coach fitness or as you say did it literally just happen I always wanted to be a performer so my degree is in film and performing arts I was a dancer all through school like that was my thing I loved to be on stage I loved a drama I was a drama nerd at school um, so I always liked the idea of being in front of people. So I would, you know, watch people at Lazy Mills and be like, oh, I, I'd kind of love to run those like classes. Um, so I don't know if it's that I wanted to be a coach, but it was definitely attractive to me to be like, oh, I get to like teach people and be in front of people and show people how to do things. And like, I'm good at moving my body. I'm coordinated. So I can, you know, I can, I can understand these movements and I can help other people understand them. So there's a little bit of correlation, but, um, it, there was definitely no way to plan what, you know, what was going to end up <laughs> happening for me in my career. Yeah. I suppose it's one of them things, isn't it? That I think this often happens with CrossFit is people, before you start you don't realize the immensity of it uh there it's such a, a wide scale obviously you start so you started CrossFit in the states where I assume it's a lot bigger I know it's grown a lot um across the world did you kind of think when you started it in the states that you'd be able to kind of come back home and use it like how what was your understanding of that it would kind of spread you worldwide in a sense yeah, the very first gym I went to was actually in New Zealand. So I kind of seen it in New Zealand first. And then I was in the US um, and, you know, totally different. It was like, even back then, it was like there was a CrossFit gym on the corner of every block. They were just everywhere, especially in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, what I did plan was when I was looking at becoming a member of seminar staff with CrossFit headquarters, I had kind of in my head this plan that, you know, there's less trainers in Australia, more chance of me getting, you know, just an opportunity to try. And so my plan was when I, when I get home, um, I'll go and I'll try and get on staff. And a friend of mine was like, well, if you're planning on doing it when you get home, why don't you just reach out to them now and just let them know that you exist and that you'll reach out to them in a couple months when you're home. 
Um, and I was like, you know what, that's, that's a pretty good idea. So I did. And they just ended up saying, okay, well, why don't we just start your internship now? You can do it while you're in the US and then you can continue when you're in an another region because it's the same process. Um, so I actually started that process in, in, uh, in California and I did my first level one internship in um, just south of LA and um, eventually came back to Australia and finished the internship in Australia, um, traveling kind of back and forth from New Zealand and then ultimately ended up moving to Australia once I got the job. So um, yeah, it's definitely smaller, but it, it, it was big enough at that point. It had, it had kind of exploded on the fitness scene in Australia and New Zealand at that point, And there was rapid growth happening. So it was big enough for me to have seen it and started it um, before going back to the US. Mm. What was the kind of inclination to want to be seminar staff? Because that's something that it's quite a big deal for coaches. Not everyone chooses to do it. Some people probably wouldn't even really understand it. Um, what was you, why did you want to do it? And actually, for anyone that doesn't know, can you explain a little bit about what that involves for you? Yeah, so the seminar staff are the members of trainers that work on the CrossFit seminars for people that want to become certified or level one certificate trainers. So it's like, you know, there's the level one, there's a level two, you ultimately go and do your certification, which is the level three, it's an online exam. And now there's the level four, which is an in-person assessment where you essentially run a class, run a session and have a panel of people watching you. Um, I haven't done that yet. That's just been released. It's only available in the US right now. But the level one and the level two are two-day seminars. And so there's a group of trainers that run those two-day seminars around the world. And the, the reason that it's a kind of well-known position is that it is so hard to get on it is ruthless um you get <clears throat> you get a lot of very critical feedback in the process you get really like just the total honest truth you get presented with all of your flaws um <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff that you have to learn and um really what that testing is how adaptable are you like how well can you take on board feedback and apply it and um so it really is a bit of a like you know initiation it's a bit of a drill it's it's changed a lot since I joined staff but um yeah so getting on staff is hard and then the team of staff that are on board that run the seminars are just awesome people um they are really really skilled coaches they obviously love and believe in the methodology. They practice it a lot of the time that, you know, full-time coaches or affiliate owners. Um, and they're just really freaking good at their job. Um, and they're just awesome to be around. You know, they're the kind of people where you're like, oh God, I just, I just want to hang out with you all the time and have you teach me all these secrets that you have. Um, and the reason that I ended up actually even applying or considering, you know, asking if I could be part of it or intern uh, was a friend of mine came back from her level one and she was someone that I was working at at my gym. She um, was on the front desk. And she was like, you know what, when I was at my level one, like, I just couldn't help but think that you should have been one of those trainers. You, you're so similar to them, just like the way that you help people and your enthusiasm for it and, and all that stuff. And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. You know, I'm like, that sounds like a cool job. I would totally do that. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of like, you know, it was a goal that I set for myself. It was something that forced me to be better. And I, I just like to pursue, you know, challenges. And it, it just seemed like a really cool thing to do. And if I was good enough to do it, that would be even better. So um, yeah, that was kind of what was behind it. It's, it's such an amazing thing to do. And as you say, it's not, I think a lot of people, you know, how much, how many thousands of CrossFit coaches there are across the world, not many people strive to do it. And um, so have you always been one of these people, as you said, like, setting challenges for yourself you always want to go to the next goal is that just ingrained in you 
Um, yeah, I guess so. It's funny. I don't know if I think of it like that, but um, I, I like to find the next thing um, and figure out like, how can I be better or how can I, maybe it's not, how can I be better? It's probably, how can I do more? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I really like this. I want to do more of it. And I think there's a lot of validation that comes from gaining success. So for me, it's like, you know, when I pursue a harder job or I try to get on staff or I pursue a competition, it's like, um, and I get it. It's like, oh, cool. I've just validated, you know, the sense of like, I have skill, I have ability, I have something to show the world. And, and it's really nice to accomplish those things. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely a part of me that when I really enjoy something, I want to take it to the nth degree and see how far I can go with it. And I just, I guess, you know, I've probably said it, it's, it's, uh, I just get really into it. I just get a little obsessed with it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we all do, don't we? The, the CrossFit, yeah. it's, it's funny, isn't it? someone said to me yesterday actually about how you have a CrossFit honeymoon phase and I was like yeah but it lasts a long time (laughs) people end up and so obviously you are such a successful coach and I'll talk a little bit more about how you've kind of flown with that but alongside that you've also been an athlete in your own right and you are you're still competing now did you always intend to do both or did it just happen quite naturally It definitely wasn't natural for someone who just literally said, I like taking things to the nth degree. (laughs) I was very conservative in my approach to competing because I didn't really think I was an athlete. Um, you know, I'd been active as a kid, but I was a dancer and I'd never done team sports and I'd never done even individual like athletic sports. If you use that word, it's like I was on stage or in freaking jazz shoes, you know, it's like the idea of competing in CrossFit kind of, I, I saw it and I thought it was amazing and I kind of wanted it. I was a little scared of trying and failing. Um, but I was very resistant to it because I was like, no, I'm, I'm the coach. Like I'll always be the coach. I'm the coach first. And like, you know, if I compete, it's just on the side. Um, but eventually I kind of realized that it was just a lot of fears that I had around, you know, the possibility of not making it. I just said, I'm, I'm validated by finding success in my goals. And so the idea of saying that I had a goal that is there's a high chance I wouldn't make it you know it's like bigger risk of failing it than getting it for most people so being like I want to go to the CrossFit Games or I want to compete at and now you know I think even the level of semifinals is an incredibly tough level to get to it's like saying that out loud is really going on record saying I'm probably going to fail but I'm going to fucking try and do something big and scary so it took me a long time to get to that point um, where I was like, you know what? No, this is something that I really want to do. And I get really excited by it. I've got the time. I want to invest the energy and I want to just like, just go. I think I can do it. Um, and so I was lucky to have a couple of mentors around me that were great to talk to throughout some of those phases. Um, but it definitely took me a long time to get my head around it. You know, I even to the point where we had a team qualify and compete at the CrossFit Games from my gym in 2015. So I'd already been to the CrossFit Games and was still like, well, I don't know if I'm a competitor. <laughs> so it was like, you know, we we kind of, we didn't fluke it. I won't say we fluked it, but we got 
lucky with the combination of people that we had and we just did really well in regionals which is what it was at the time um so it wasn't necessarily that we were all like planning on going to the games it's just that it kind of worked out really well and we just nailed nailed our performance so um yeah it, it was you know an interesting experience but yeah it was funny to it, it is funny at this stage to look back and go yeah I still wasn't totally committed to competing after having competed at the games you know mm -hmm. it's just it's just it was a funny time it was a transition that took me a while and yeah. I wish looking back I'm like god you should have just gone for it you should have just gone from it when you started like I you know I was already four years in at that point and you know it, I had you know I've just sort of gotten to the end of my comp competing now and it's like I had five years that could have been more like eight years Mm -hmm. um so I I was just too hesitant I was too hesitant I was reserved I was worried about fucking up um but you know I still had incredible experiences and and did really well yeah it's interesting that even like you say that because someone who like I, I would look at you and be like oh yeah she's she's a natural competitor I think one of the things the CrossFit particularly when you're not an athletic or not athletic as a child or didn't do team sports and didn't compete I was a dancer too so you don't have you know, you sit in an exam and you have people and it's you on your yeah. own or whatever, you know, and I know there are dance competitions now, but that's not something I did. So when you are potentially in your 20s as well and you, you know, going through all these things and someone's like, yeah, go compete. You're like, hang on, what? what is it? What's that? You know, this is just fitness for fun. Um, how initially, like, what was your first competition? Did you do like a local one? Like, how did you break that initial competitive barrier? Yeah, my very first competition was the Open. Um, and it might have been the Open for the first two years. Um, but I did start doing some local competitions. And I think when I came into CrossFit, I, I was pretty strong, like, you know, straight off the bat. And, and not, you know, as strong as I am now or as strong as some other girls, but um, just strong for a girl in 2011 when I started. Um, <laughs> and so I remember people immediately talking to me about regionals. Um, as soon as I came in and had signed up for the Open, they were like, oh, we're going to try and go for regionals and we'll put you on the team. So it was kind of stuff that people just told me that I would do to a degree. They were like, oh, you're strong. Okay, cool. You're going on the team. You're going to be one of our strong girls. Um, and that's kind of probably, it's probably the way it's continued for, you know, especially when I was not necessarily putting my hand up to compete. It was like, oh, she's strong. She likes to push hard. Okay, cool. She can be one of our girls. And it's, girls are hard to come by. They still are when it comes to like putting together a team or you're trying to compete. Um, so yeah, I think it was just that people were like, hey, you should compete on our team. Um, you're good. All right. You're good. <laughs> yeah. And um, that, so going to the games, I just say, not fluke but kind of fluke in the timings of it um I love that that you describe it as that what was that whole experience like if you weren't expecting it um going to the games at that time tell me a little bit about that that weekend yeah so I went in 2015 and then I went again in 2019 so I had two totally different experiences the 2015 like I said we had it was at the time a six-person team and we'd qualified in 24th for regionals, which is equivalent to semifinals. And so it was like, we were really not expecting much. But we happened to have two national level gymnasts, two super strong people, and then two people with just like 
engines that could destroy anyone. And when we combined in the style of programming that we had and just, you know, our composure on the floor as a team was just really solid. We were just all very level headed and really like competed well together. We were people that had trained together for months because, you know, there wasn't really affiliate like uh, super teams at the time. You, you just came naturally from your affiliate. Um, so we just knew each other well. We had some funny people on the team and it just worked well. And so we finished in third place and that was when we went to the games. Um, and we were all just, you know, we were pretty new to the whole thing and we'd never been before, obviously. So just the fact that we got a ton of like Reebok gear was like, whoa, that's so cool. <laughs> um, and that was when it was in California. It was in Carson, which is just south of LA, which is, there's nothing in Carson except for this stadium. But um, it's the original tennis stadium. Like that's where, you know, all the old photos of the CrossFit Games are at the tennis stadium. And so just being able to be there and witness that and being be involved at that time you know that's a core memory for me in terms of my crossfit life it's it was really cool totally different to 2019 when i went to the games um we i i actually was competing as an individual i'd been that was when i'd committed to competing i was giving myself five years of training like a games athlete to try and you know get to the top and uh, three years in, I had qualified to my first regionals as an individual and was like, I mean, I was in 16th in the open and I was like looking for like, you know, a good competitive year. And a few weeks out from regionals, I got a call up from a team being like, hey, we've had one of our girls pull out. Will you jump on the team? And I remember being like, mm, look, let me think about it. I don't know. Like I've been training my ass off to train, like to compete individually. The team, I'll let you know, um, for those of you who aren't in Australia, these are like the the veterans of the sport. It was Rob Forte, James Newbury, and Maddie Sturt. And they were like, hey, we need another girl. Would you be our other girl? I was training at Rob's gym at the time. And I'm turning them down like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I called up my same mentor that I talked to, you know, years prior about competing. And he was like, are you crazy? People would pay to be on this team. Like you've actually got a real shot at qualifying for the games if you go on this team. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. I called them back. I was like, yes, I'll take the spot. I'll do it. And uh, so that was that. I jumped on the team. We'd never trained together. It was the year that you could compete as a team, but you could sub people out it was the super teams year it was just like it was chaos so people were creating super teams qualifying for the games and then changing members out and it was just like people could be from anywhere in the world so we had um rob forte james newbury maddie Sturt, myself at regionals we won and then at the games in 2019 it was rob and myself and then zeke grove and danny haran so it was like danny had lived in the u.s and it, it, we literally met her for the first time a few days before we competed together um so that was when it was in madison as well so then I got to go to Wisconsin, which was really, really cool. Um, totally different environment, totally different place. Um, and cool to just see the new location, really. Uh, and that year was totally different because the very second event, we came like, I think we came second after Mayhem in the first event. We had an, a phenomenal finish in the first event. Second event, I sprained my ankle dropping off a rope climb. And uh, the third event was like a 7K run with a pack and we all had to hold a rope. And we actually still did all right. I kind of pulled through and just like, just dealt with it. And uh, my foot was black and blue and I was all strapped up. <laughs> Rob learned how to uh, strap sprained ankles really quickly. My foot, my ankle had swollen massively. Like I was sitting with my foot in a bucket of like, I don't know what it was. It's the special stuff that helps you like, you know, deal with like fluid in your, in your body. So it just, <laughs> it was like, we were doing everything that we could do. Um, and eventually that was the year that there were cuts. 
So we made it through until I think the second cut, um, which was halfway through day two or at the end of day two, I think. Um, so we finished 11th and the most important thing was that we beat the other team from Australia. So <laughs> we still came up with, with a win there. Um, but yeah, so that was disappointing, but also a really big challenge. And I, I took a lot from that, like competing in pain and with an injury was um, not the experience I was planning for, but it was um, pretty eye-opening. Yeah. How does it change? Obviously, 2015, you weren't expecting to go to the Games at all. And then 2019, you were on this, as you say, super team. You've got this, there's a lot of pressure behind you. You've done amazingly at regionals. How mentally does it change going from no pressure to, I'm assuming, a lot more pressure um, kind of four years later? Um, it, it's hard. Like I, I was terrified specifically for regionals. Um, and I was lucky I was working with a sports psychologist at the time, Wendy Swift, who is my mentor's wife. So I had the Swifts, I had Matt Swift, who was like the grandfather of CrossFit in Australia and his wife, who was a sports psychologist and their powers combined, you know, kind of made me, but, um, I had her and I had learned so much from her that mentally I was pretty well armed I guess with tools to kind of figure out how to approach workouts and deal with the the self-doubt and the fear that would come up um and just get my mind right even when you know negative thoughts would come up or whatever so the regionals was a really big test because I was easily not as fit as the others I was strong so I held my own with the barbell stuff and that was good I could contribute in a lot of ways um but I was kind of being dragged through the mud with by the others like for a lot of it you know we had a run that was like a beach run into a swim into a beach run and I was at the end of this rope just being pulled by them like <laughs> I just remember that whole thing just I was terrified and it was really hard and uh, it was just like this wild experience but um yeah that was that was challenging only because there's probably more pressure at the regionals level or semifinals level than there is at the games because you've got to try and make it through. And I knew that these athletes were so good that it was like, I, I, I'm, I'm not the best here. Like I'm, I'm actually probably the worst and holy fuck, how do I deal with this? <laughs> so I did a lot of internal work there and it's not like, you know, you just, you just handle it and everything's fine and it's all good. And you're just mentally strong. It's like, no, you actually have to accept the negative shit that comes with it and find ways to let it be and not let it stop you. I think that's the real thing that, you know, your, your best competitive athletes can do. It's not that they don't suffer and they don't struggle. It's that they let it happen. And in fact, they lean into it. They, they look for it. They hunt out the, the pain and the struggle and the high heart rate and the high breathing rate. Like they are looking for that because that is the edge of their boundaries that's their limits and so they're trying they're seeking it out um so I think this idea that someone is you know naturally competitive or just really good at hurting it's like no they just they just let themselves hurt more than other people let themselves hurt all of us that are resting taking water breaks stopping before we you know pick up a barbell it's like we're just not letting ourselves hurt we're just trying to hold it off procrastinate for 10 seconds you know <laughs> like so um it was super interesting competing at regionals the games was actually fairly relaxed. Um, Rob's very good at being like, hey, we're just, we're here to have fun. Like we are here to have a really cool experience. We're having fun. The reality was we hadn't trained together. We didn't really know each other. So it was just like a, it was a bit of an experience. 
And I think that probably only comes with the veterans. He'd been competing for like nine years at the games or something like that at that stage. So it was like, he'd done it so many times. It wasn't like you were hanging out with someone who was like, we've got to win. He was like, we've just got to have fun. If you're not having fun, there's no point in being here. So I think that that was a really nice environment to be in especially because I ended up being injured and being the one kind of holding the team back. Um, so I was just lucky that I was with people that had that mindset. Is there any point of view, like throughout that weekend when you sprain your ankle, is there any part of you that goes, I can't continue? Or is it just, let's just do what I can move? Like, how does that, because I off, you, we often watch, and I think CrossFit probably has this kind of, people will often maybe judge working through injuries and things but actually it's something that so many athletes do and maybe don't even talk about that often like oh you know I had a an injury that weekend that's why I didn't compete very well you know a lot of athletes this year after semi-finals who maybe didn't qualify came out uh, after the weekend and said I was injured and this is why why do you think CrossFit in particular we we just power through like do you think it's because of the community because people are just going to understand like is there any part of you that goes, oh, no, I've hurt myself. I'm going to stop. I think you could probably look at any sport and find those stories, you know, of people being like, I'm a little bit messed up right now, but I'm, I've committed to this and I'm going to do it. And I think that that's probably what it's about. You know, for me, when I was like, hey, I, I really want to get to the top. It was not that I wanted to be the, the game's competitor. It was that that was the path for me to find out the best version of myself and so when things come up that are challenges setbacks like not qualifying setbacks like getting injured setbacks like not being able to hit the lift you need to hit whatever they might be those are now perceived as tests rather than barriers I mean sure barriers is probably just another word for it but that, that they're ultimately tests for you know this is the this is what you're presented with now how do you respond to it how are you going to deal with this um and so for a lot of people it's like I've got to find a way through it I can't just not do it I can't go around it I can't go under it I can't go over it I've got to go through it and so I think that for a lot of athletes especially when this is their dream this is them living out their dream it's like I don't think there's another choice. I don't think the idea of like just not doing it crosses their mind to the point that I think the people that do withdraw it's often a coach telling them to withdraw because people won't, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that there are some people that, you know, make smart decisions and can think less emotionally, like Ricky Garat, obviously, you know, elbow in a sling, like he's not competing and he's not about to try to, which is good. I think if he did, you'd be like, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of niggles and things going on all the time that you do kind of just mentally just train through it's just kind of part of it it's, it's one of the tests so yeah I, I think it's present in all sports I think you see it in CrossFit just as much as you know rugby or netball or gymnastics or whatever it may be um, and I think that's just the nature of people that are trying to find out the edge of their limits like find out the ceiling of their cap capacity and the injury for me presented a test that I couldn't have had in any other way you know, a hard workout or a heavy barbell, like that's a test, but I train for that and I prepare for that. A test where you're injured and you have to figure out what to do while you're injured is something you can't really prepare for. So you end up just figuring it out on the fly a little bit. And for me, knowing that I could mentally overcome the pain, like 
an ankle injury, like a sprain, you're not going to make it worse. Like you can kind of do whatever you want to it and it's fine. It's not like a broken bone or a fracture. It's like, you can kind of still use it. It's just going to hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. And so when I knew that once I'd had a specialist say, it's okay, you're not going to make it worse. It just really hurts. And it's going to be really swollen and look really ugly. (laughs) I was like, okay, so I can still use it. It's just a matter of me telling my body what I wanted to do and deliberately choosing not to listen to the messages that my body is sending me, which are these like, stop now. This is painful. You cannot keep doing this. You need to slow down. You shouldn't put weight on this, like all those messages and signals. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to feel pain and that's okay. And so I remember for the running before we started it, I was warming up in the warm-up area or in the athlete area in um, in medicine. And I was just jogging lightly. And the only way that I could do it was you can't ignore the pain. It That doesn't work because it's, it's too present. It's too big. It becomes more powerful if you try to ignore it. So the only thing that I could do was every time I was about to run, I'd think pain. So that when I hit the, the ground with that foot, I was expecting it. And that to me was the only way to get through it. I had to anticipate it hurting rather than try to put it out of my mind and then have it hurt, you know, and be reactive Mm -hmm. and responsive to the the pain. So it was like, I'm going to get a pain signal. It's going to hurt pain, pain, pain. So I was just running with this like little loop of like pain, pain, pain. Every time my foot was about to ground and it was this bizarre experience of like, you know, truly having mind of a matter and just being like, my body will do exactly what I tell it to do. And the pain is just a physical signal. And that's about it. Um, so that was, that was a unique experience or a unique test that you just wouldn't have gotten any other way. Um, mm. as shitty as it was for the team. Um, it was, yeah, it was a pretty like eye opening experience. Yeah, I can imagine. And I suppose you're in one of them environments where, everyone's just kind of like moving you know you can't really there's so many events over the weekend you I suppose do you really actually even get a minute to stop and think like because it's just kind of go 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 what's like how obviously your your mind's working like a million miles an hour is it just like right okay cool next event next event next event like where do you sit in terms of assessing the situation obviously you've just said like you saw a specialist etc but like do you just keep going? Like what's the kind of vibe when you're in, in it, I suppose. I think when you're in a team, it, it, it is like that. You just go with the team, like they're going, you're going. So you just, you don't think you just do what they're doing. I think if it were individual, maybe it would be different. You know, mm-hmm. if it's just you and you're making choices for yourself, but with a team, I feel like I'm making choices for the team and your the team's ego supersedes your own and that's the goal you know a big team little me and and if you aren't behaving like that then you're potentially a detrimental member of the team like it has to be the team is the most important thing and so it it, you know with how hard you push with working through an injury or a niggle or helping someone who's struggling it's like you just do everything for the team so I think you know for that weekend specifically I probably had a lot of feelings around, I hope this is bad enough for me to not have to keep going. But when I realized that it wasn't, it was like, okay, well, now I'm just going to have to just try. Like, I'll just try. And maybe I can't, but I, I'm just going to have to try because the team are here and they've shown up and they all want to see if I can try. Like, so I'm just going to have to. <laughs> so you, the choice, the options are almost removed, which, which was a good thing for me in that, that instance. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of going outside of your 
athlete career um obviously you started as a coach and your coaching kind of brand has particularly I assume in Australia has just blown up you've you've got a team of kind of coaches under you did you always intend to start your own business have this kind of well it is like your own brand I suppose um your own community and what made you what made you do that um like back in the day I suppose it was obviously just you working um but building this kind of whole um brand why did you start that um and how is it at the moment I'm sure you are super busy (laughs) I'm a really like I'm hyper independent I really like doing my own thing and making my own rules and having full creative control of everything I do so I'd previously been working online for another company and it got to a point where you know I'd built up a Instagram following that was essentially giving me all of my clients and I really didn't need this other company and I was giving them a lot of my money and I was like you know what this the math doesn't even add up anymore like this just doesn't make sense I can have more creative freedom do the things I want to do the way that I want to do it um and I bring in my own clients so I will make more money so I ultimately was like, you know what, I'm just going to go out on my own and do it on my own. Um, And then that was accelerated by two other coaches that actually used to work for them message, like, you know, getting in touch with me and being like, Hey, um, we want to go. And how have you done it? What did you do? Let's talk. And so it kind of was a conversation that just turned into, why don't we do it together? Like I'm kind of doing my own thing. Why don't you guys come and do it with me and we'll just figure it out. Um, And so it, it kind of became this, um, 2.0 version of the previous company where we made it a place that worked the way that we wished the other place had worked for us. So the coaches were paid more, the coaches had less clients, the coaches had more control. Like it was just a few things that were very um, coach centric in terms of the business rather than client centric. And I've always believed that if you look after your employees, you, your employees will look after your clients. Like it, it's a, it's a relationship that serves the business ultimately. Um, if you look after your clients at the cost of the well-being of your employees or coaches, it's it's not serving you um, as much as you want to try and take care of the clients. It's it's a it's kind of like this ecosystem that works one direction or, or not necessarily one direction, but better when you look after your your people that are working for you. So that was kind of what happened. I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it this way and it's going to be my way and it's going to be different. And and here's here's what we're doing. And it just kind of, yeah, it kind of took on a life of its own a little bit. Um, and it's become a super challenging thing to do. I, um, I, I really enjoyed actually doing the, you know, operations and admin and scaling a business and marketing and figuring all these things out that I, I have no experience in. So it's been a, it's been a journey for sure. Um, but it's, it's been really nice actually. I think, you know, for many coaches, you go through phases of feeling a little over it and a little jaded at times. And I was definitely there towards the end of my face-to-face, like on the floor coaching. And so this was a really nice sidestep for me where it was like, I'm still doing what I, I really enjoy doing and what I'm good at but I get to do it in a different way where I'm kind of creating a platform for people to come to and get the help that they need and and get the coaching that is aligned with my values and my beliefs um, without necessarily doing the frontline kind of work yeah definitely and did you ever intend because it does seem like I mean obviously we're halfway across the world and, and we see it a lot and understand it a lot does it did you ever expect it to kind of go to the scale it did um in terms of your business or was it just kind of you were going to just move standard coaching did you ever expect what has happened 
you know, it's funny because we were just talking about like, how was the transition from coach to athlete? And it was, it was mentally like a big leap for me to take totally the same thing with my business. I was playing small and I was like, I just need to, you know, make enough money to pay my rent and put food on the table. Like I don't need a big, big business. Like, I just, I just don't need that. And it was kind of the story that I was selling myself to make myself feel better about, you know, not trying for more and not pushing myself to do something that you would risk failing at. And so I, when I realized that I was playing small, I was like, oh, I need, I need to run my business properly. Like I need to run it like it's a big business. That's the way it's going to work better. Um, and that was when I, uh, my partner actually was like, why don't you get a business coach? Like get a business coach. I think it'd be really good. And he had met someone who did it. And I was like, all right. And so the second that I got a business coach, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this serious. Like I'm going to do this properly. I'm going to invest in this. Like it's going to be a multi-million dollar business. And that's the way we're going to act now. And, uh, so that's kind of what I did. And it was the same experience of like, being resistant and hesitant and holding back and so there's a lot of self-doubt and fear and worry about failure to just being like fuck it you know what not trying is the real failure here so I'm just gonna do it even if it you know blows up in my face I'm just gonna try and see what I can make of it and um you know if I don't get there then I don't get there but I'd, I'd rather try and and know that I'm not gonna make it than you know die not knowing so yeah that's kind of where I'm at and and you just figuring everything out and you, you make so many mistakes. Like I just, I'm making mistakes left, right and center, but I, I have enjoyed the process of figuring out that the only way to learn is to hold yourself accountable for those mistakes. And I think it's true in every area. It's true in, you know, your business as it's true in your relationships. It's like, if you never hold yourself accountable for mistakes, regardless of what's right and what's wrong or who's right and who's wrong, you're just never going to be able to use that information to help you. Like you'll never be able to grow from it. So it's like the sooner that I can realize, oh, I fucked up and I don't like the way this is working and people are unhappy or I made a mistake and it didn't, you know, help my clients, the, the better I am at fixing it. Um, it just takes a lot of like owning your shit regardless of whether you think you are at fault or if it's actually you know your problem it's like it doesn't matter I've here's how I contributed and now if I know that that's what I did I can do it differently next time mm -hmm. um and so it's just been this kind of process of that and it's been it's been great like it's hard but it's really good it's a really cool thing to be doing yeah it's definitely paid off and I know it gets shared around our like all your advice and I think having a successful business you you're able to do that you know share little nuggets of advice on social media and things and there's another thing on social media that I have to mention because I can't let you go without talking about it and <laughs> um, that you created a few years ago CrossFit with a sign I know it's been a bit quiet recently but could you just explain a little bit about why you chose to do that because I think a lot of people may know you from that um so why did you choose to to start that little Instagram page um and it literally blew up did you ever expect that either I no I didn't expect it I um it, yeah it's funny it actually gave me a lot of followers from that page um and I, it's been very quiet I I don't really post anything on there anymore it's kind of it just like existed for like 18 months and then I was like oh, I, I think I'm I, I don't know what I'm doing with it anymore <laughs> it kind of served no other purpose but as a funny thing it was kind of mm -hmm. I guess it's equivalent to a meme page yeah and uh I saw a dude with a sign and I was like oh that's really cool and I was like I'm gonna make crossfit with a sign and the handle was available and I was like I'm just gonna create the page um and I just did one post and it just like blew up and I did a couple more and then it just it just grew like crazy and I was like okay so people kind of like it when you're funny and do something that's you know just 
very uh, obvious theme here <laughs> and it's consistent and, and it's relevant to CrossFitters and okay, cool. So yeah, it, it was just one of those random funny things that happened. And um, it, it was, it was a good way to, I guess, like say the truth in a funny kind of manner that I knew would possibly piss people off. And I, I remember being on that page and, and in my, on my CFK page, I'm like, I try to be polite and I'm, I try to be considerate and sensitive and anyone who says something negative, I try to take their perspective and, and try to figure out where they're coming from. But on this page, if anybody said any shit, I was like jumping down their throats. So I was like, you know what? No fucks are given on this page. This is what I say. I'm the boss here and I know more than you. <laughs> so anyone that would come at me, I, they would get like, basically, you know, they would get a full, like CrossFit level one seminar sometimes because it'll be like well actually <laughs> so I had a lot of fun with that page it was uh there's some good comments if, if you scroll into some of those posts it was one of them things as well like it's definitely they've been shared on my group chats like numerous times <laughs> like look at this look at this comment and um, do you ever think because I think CrossFit's one of them sports um where like social media is massive within it you know um you often feel like you know the athletes everyone's quite honest is there obviously you've just said like you've kind of separated them two pages but was there any part of you that was like oh maybe I should hold back a bit or were you just like no I don't care here we go did you have to like feel like you had to protect it at all yeah look I think by the time that I started that page I'd started being pretty vulnerable on Instagram already um and by vulnerable, I wasn't being mean or saying anything that was like harsh truths or tough love, but I'd been, I'd exposed a lot of my own personal shit. And, you know, it was things like I'd had a back injury and I was sharing my rehab um, and that took 12 months. And then I had really bad adult acne when I was 28. And I kind of like talked about that whole journey. Um, and then I talked about losing my period from under eating and overtraining and regaining it and all the shit that I went through with binge eating. So it was like, I'd started talking about really deeply personal things that felt scary, terrifying, just horrible to talk about in front of people. And I just started doing it. And um, it just, I think it just connected me with people more and people enjoyed it. And I got a good response and good feedback. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to keep on telling my true story. Like just really being just honestly me and, and not beating around the bush. And like, this is what you get. Um, and so by the time that I started doing that page, I was pretty confident and pretty fearless. And, you know, I go through waves of feeling that just fearless, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was definitely like, you know what? No one can touch me. I don't give a shit. Like I've had, I've said worse things to myself than anyone else could ever say to me. And I've exposed all my shit and I don't really, I'm okay with it. I get what, I understand how the internet works and I understand that there are going to be trolls and keyboard warriors and there are going to be people that hate on it and it will generate a, a response and that's kind of its purpose. So I actually felt probably um, more confident on that page than I feel even on my own page because that was designed for that. It was designed to kind of annoy people and and call people out or like say stuff that people would be reactive to and I knew it would happen so I think when you know it's going to happen you anticipate it and you're a little bit more prepared for it so yeah I wasn't as worried about that I'm, I'm definitely a little bit more careful on my personal page but even then I'm I just feel like I've shared so much it's like I, I would almost you know and I remember seeing this from my business coach actually and it was like rather than getting more followers create raving fans and you do that by being just totally yourself and being honest and don't fucking hold anything back like the more you share the better um and you'll scare some people off but that's exactly what you want to do you're trying to filter people out 
Um, and so that was kind of my approach. I was like, you know what? And um, there's a book called Have the Courage to be Disliked or just The Courage to be Disliked. And I've not read the book, but I really like the title. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what confidence is. It's not that you walk around thinking you're the shit. It's that you walk around knowing you're not the shit and you're okay for people to know it. And that's confidence. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you go very soon. Um, but firstly, before I do, I'm going to have some quick fire questions for you. Uh, but before that, where do you stand currently? I know you're obviously fresh off the boat of, of competing on a team at Torium, but where are you currently as a coach, as an athlete? Like, what's your kind of current goals? Are there any? Where do you stand at the moment? Um, I'm planning on having a baby next year. So <laughs> I'm not competing next year. I'm going to have an extended break. Um, my partner and I are going to start trying for a baby in January. So this year is like, I've got a lot of travel coming up. And a lot of just like enjoying training for the sake of training. And that's kind of it now, like at least for a while, I would love to do teams or masters again in the future, but I'm, yeah, I think I, I'm ready for a break. Exciting, exciting times. Um, so <laughs> my final few questions for you are quick fire questions. Uh, firstly, your favorite lift within CrossFit. Uh, probably a snatch when you get a good one there's nothing like it yeah, absolutely uh, favorite overall movement um ring muscle ups probably it took me a really long time to learn them and I just I'm obsessed with them now I love them they feel so good <laughs> amazing uh your favorite benchmark workout uh, I'm a, I'm a bit of a Fran fan. I really like Fran, but I also like, I like a lot of the girl workouts. Um, I've always really enjoyed Nancy just cause I really like overhead squats. Um, and then even like Cindy, I, I, I trained pretty hard for Cindy and I just really enjoyed it when you, you know, get the results. So I mean, any of the girl workouts, but maybe Fran would be one that I've done many times. I have many fun memories of Fran <laughs> and it's just such a classic benchmark. Absolutely. Uh, and my final question, I know you've been to the, to the game, sorry, on a team, uh, you've trained on a team a lot, but if you could go back and build a dream team uh, to take to the games, who would you have on it? Oh, a dream team. Um, I'm a massive Annie Thoris daughter fan. So 100% I'd have Annie on my team. And then for the boys, um, uh, I feel like I often think of old school athletes. I really liked Jason Kalipa. He's just, he was just such an animal. Um, and he's so friendly. Like he's really nice. I remember being introduced to his family and they were just like the loveliest people ever. So I, I probably have to go like Annie, Jason Kalipa. And then who would the other guy be? Um, maybe a bit of a wild card, maybe someone like, um, Jay Crouch in Australia is awesome. Like he's, mm -hmm. he's an amazing athlete, such a cool, cool dude. And like, he's just, he's just getting better and better. And he's, he's the, he's the new Rob Forte really, which is mm -hmm. makes sense. He's, a, he's the product of Rob Forte. So maybe like Jay Crouch or um, the athlete that I also really like um, on the guy's side. Um, I, I really like Brent Fikowski or Pat Valner. That like, you know, if you're going to, maybe yeah. if I hadn't opted for Jason Kalipa, like having those two boys on, I think it would just be super entertaining. Yeah. I think they seem like the nicest humans in CrossFit as well. Yeah. <laughs> you just have a great time. Um, yeah. no, that's a great answer. That's a good team as well. Um, That'd be an epic team, right? Be I'd be great. terrified again. I'd be like, I'm <laughs> shooting my pants because it's going to be so hard. 
<laughs> no thanks carry me guys carry me <laughs> no that is great well thank you so much for your time and for sharing your stories it has been so wonderful to chat um, and I look forward to seeing more from you in the future yay thank you so much for having me